Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of um, Table Manners for Robots. Super excited about this particular episode. Um, this is all about Papier. Now I know, I get it, uh, a lot of us are talking about Papier right now. There's just so much content floating around on social media and even the press to do with this topic that sometimes it seems a bit of an overkill. We get a little bit of content fatigue when we see, too, when we see the same thing too much. And honestly, I myself, I'm, I'm experiencing the same thing. And here we are putting together a show about Papia and the implementation thereof. So why is this important? Well, as a starting point, I myself am an information officer. So I know the risks that I um, carry and uh, you know some of the threats that I need to overcome in order to ensure that my obligations are fulfilled as an information officer. And so in doing my own work in this area to uh, protect the data that we are entrusted with as an organization, um, I've had many questions. Um, Popia is a very comprehensive and extensive um, undertaking. It is not a small responsibility for companies, no matter the size. It doesn't matter what your capacity is. The, you know, the, the operational requirements are quite burdensome. So what we've done for this particular show is that we were able to partner with a global powerhouse, McAfee, um, yet again, and speak to two of their very senior experts. Um, we, we were able to you know, secure some uh, global input on this particular topic because while Papia is relevant to South Africa, the truth is the subject of uh, data protection is very relevant worldwide and Papia just happens to be our version of how we are applying data protection policies locally. So uh, on that note, I'm very happy to introduce our um, um, expert guests who are going to give us the perspective of uh, Poppia below just the superficial, um, you know, what meets the uh, what what meets the eye of the outsider view. So we're going to be able to just uh, dig a little bit deeper, look beyond just the superficial compliance to uh, Poppia and see what we need, what we actually need to do behind the scenes from a back office point of view to make sure that we're doing things right. So on that note, um, let's go to some inserts. Uh, from our um, expert guests and hear a little bit more about their background. Yeah, hi. First of all, in my background, uh, I start um, mathematics, advanced mathematics today. It was in 98 uh, before uh, actually joining the first cybersecurity school uh, in France. It was in tau to 2000. So, I was super excited, right? Because a new world war was coming to us. Uh, I remember the first engine we used to connect to the internet was AltaVista. And I was absolutely impressed um, about the tons of new information we were able to, to capture. Uh, remember, I remember so uh, 20, 20 past years ago, actually, we used to connect through modem, right? Remember 56,000 uh, bulbs. And it was the beginning of a new story. At the same time, I was a little bit scared about uh, what, what could we expect in terms of cybersecurity, in terms of hacking? What, 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 what could we expect in terms of uh, new technology adoption for, for, for many companies? And this is actually what's happening today. Right. So, uh, yeah, um, engineering school for three years before um, before being enrolled by an encryption provider um, was a company called Seboot acquired by McAfee a couple of years back. And um, I'm 
I'm still excited, actually, right? Even after 20 years, no loss in motivation. Everything, uh, every new day, every new thing to, 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 to discover, uh, to, 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 to challenge with. And I think, yes, this is where my motivation comes. Uh, curiosity, innovate, and being uh, a big role in that uh, cybersecurity industry uh, to help partners, customers, uh, from a visionary perspective. Yeah, so that's me. Hi. Um, yeah, Mo, Mo Cashman. Actually, yeah, so short for, short for Maurice, an uh, uh, interesting story there. It's, it's a French name, but uh, my family is, uh, has a Ukraine, uh, Ukrainian background. So that's uh, something for, for another, another time, I guess. But uh, for, you know, for my background, I, I guess you can describe it in, in, in two ways. One is you know, I've pretty much been in security in some way, or form my my whole life, you know, starting with uh, with the army, you know, leading leading troops and you know going you know, peacekeeping missions and uh, you know just protecting you know, always protecting something, and you know that led into you know cybersecurity you know, working for one of the first uh, you know cert teams out there uh, back in the in the day before we had the term cyber even right so that was uh, it was all about information security and and protection it's all about security helping. You know, businesses and government be secure, protecting data, uh, you know, from from external attackers. Uh, and and the other part of, the, of my background is is in is in travel. I've I spent you know fifty percent of my life outside of the United States, both in travel for the military, but mainly as in in working and working in in security, either design or management of teams, leadership of teams in in cybersecurity, and now you know with McAfee and. You know, privileged to be uh, uh, have a great role and a great team. You know, working with guys like Laurent uh, or Lo, if I might say uh, correctly, um, and and a host of other uh, host of other people, uh, really passionate about cybersecurity and, and data protection in in general. Because yeah, I, it's all about keeping people safe, and I think that's been a mission for you know for a couple of years for a long time for me. All right, so uh, that's us getting to know our um, expert guests a little bit better for now. Um, so if you've just joined us, um, remember that what we do here is we um, play a whole bunch of inserts that have been pre-recorded over the last couple of days. Uh, this is all fresh content, um, but the actual insert, the actual interview aspect, that is um, uh, an, uh, an insert that has been pre-recorded. But what we do during the live show is we welcome your questions, your input, your participation through the chat box, through the Q&A box, and we line up the relevant piece of content that's going to answer your question. So absolutely, through the life of the show, participate, put your questions and comments through, and we're going to address them, take them up, we'll discuss them as much as we possibly can during the course of the show. All right, so now we went back to our um, special guests and we asked them to just deep dive a little bit into their backgrounds to understand what made them specialize in the areas that they have. I, I think it goes back to, you know, to, to your, own, your, your own mission, right? And I, I really think that um, you know, one of my core missions is, is to help people be, be more resilient or help organizations be, be more resilient to get through those, uh, those tough times or to you know, you know, operate through different sorts, of, uh, different sorts of risks, right? So that they can continue to, continue to live on or, or continue to prosper. Uh, so that, that really motivates me, right? And that's really, you know, the, the, the mission there is to, you know, cybersecurity is an output of that, right? And is, is part of that part of that mission because it's uh, and it's so important today because it's uh, 
uh, you know, it's a new, it's not new anymore, right? So to 30 years into this, uh, this type of career, it's no longer, we can no longer say it's new. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those areas that keeps evolving, new attack surfaces, new, you know, new things uh, from, the, from the attackers to keep up with. So it never stops, right? It's a constant evolution. And, you know, that keeps you motivated. You, you combine the sort of challenges that are that our that customers face, organizations face, or people face, you know, because it's very personal also, uh, the cybersecurity part, protecting your own personal data. Um, you know, you, when you combine that, uh, the mission and, and the evolution, it's, a, it's something that just keeps you moving, moving forward every day. And uh, you know, having worked with Laurent for several years now, I can really attest to his motivation and strength in, uh, in this field. So, uh, yeah. Um, actually, I was young. I had two dreams, um, or let's say one. The first was to become military pilot, right? And for some reason, I was not about to access that dream. And... It's even today, I got a, a pilot license, so I'm okay, I'm happy with that. And finally, the, after that, after that uh, deception, right? I have to think, hey, what can you keep you motivated? What can you keep you learn? What can you keep you excited? And again, uh, cybersecurity was something very new uh, for a lot of people, for me first. And um, I think that's, um, cybersecurity is a vast topic, right? Uh, data protection, encryption technologies, cloud protection, IoT protection, SecOps. There is, it's like, like a doctor, right? Uh, you get a lot of specialties. So I decided to embrace um, the, the, the encryption specialty, right? I discovered very new things, especially with my mathematics uh, expert uh, background. Encryption was new, let's say, in the continuity of my background, encryption was uh, almost natural, right? So I spent uh, some years in that um, that space, and uh, which uh, which were super, let's say, excited. So um, um, I would say uh, it will it helped me uh, to embrace a more global data protection um, domain expertise. And today I'm 41. I'm still uh, super happy to deliver my advices, my recommendation, to analyze um, the, the, the gaps, technology, compliance, governance gaps, in order to improve uh, the data protection, uh, let's say uh, policies uh, uh, or and technology our customer are onboarding today. That's, I thought my comment just a minute I, I, on that piece as well. Um, you know, when you think about your specialization, sometimes you go into things very deliberately and you know, I, I think uh, personally, I, I think I went into it accidentally, you know, is that you, know, you, you get an opportunity to work in a field and then it becomes about, you know, the people that you work with perhaps, or the leaders that you, that you have and the, and the mission that you have. And that keeps you, you know, that gets you excited and drives you in, in the different directions. And I, I think that's what's, what happened, you know, to me, you know, and, and particularly focusing in on, uh, security operations, and you're really being able to hunt, to detect, and and find attackers, you know, in the midst of a uh, of their business. Uh, that's that really gets me really really excites me, really keeps me motivated as well. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so we're getting um, a lot of good introductions there, really getting to know our guest speakers super well. Uh, if you've just joined the show, welcome. Uh, we're, we're talking Poppia. We're talking about, um, you know, going below just the superficial compliance to Poppia, really looking at some of the detail behind the scenes, what's expected of us that we might not always see at first glance. Uh, remember that the show is all about your participation. So feel free to add your comments, your questions into the chat box or into the Q&A box. You can do so at any point and what we're going to do is we're going to try our best to line up the most appropriate insert to answer your question so this show ultimately is directed by you it is um, defined by your participation so the more you ask the more uh, the chances are that you're going to see content that is relevant to your situation all right, so for the next particular um, uh, insert, we decided to look at the context in South Africa right now. Obviously, South African businesses are going through um, quite a lot, and we asked our expert guests what they think about that. That's a, that's a real good question. And let me, let me explain my thoughts in three, three parts. First, Papia, regulation is coming, right? Regulation has come in South Africa. Think about what happened from the 1st of July that year in South Africa. Today, um, almost 5 million of citizens, of people cannot register on the EVDS system, right? Uh, based on the, let's say, um, the, the regulation, the government regulation to fight uh, the COVID. Uh, at the same time, what does it mean? from a data protection, from a cybersecurity perspective, what could be the impact and what could be the challenge for first any uh, South African individuals, but more generally for any companies. Uh, names, ID numbers, cell phone numbers, medical aid numbers will be part of that new record. So I think there is a big challenge in making sure that any, not, not any of this information could be captured by the bad guys. And I think this is this challenge is right now in South Africa, and uh, this is our job, right, uh, to to assist uh, partners, uh, customer, in order to make sure this system could be adopted by any organization uh, in a in the most most secure way. Number two is let's say from a general cybersecurity statement. Uh, the global ranking in South Africa is um, uh, uh, 59th among 182 countries, right? And on the African continent, South Africa is placed at the eighth place. What does it mean? Uh, it means that investment in cybersecurity has started, right? Definitive. Is it enough? I don't think so, right? What does it mean? There is a gap today uh, between... Um, the, the, the security, uh, let's say, targets any company should should uh, should think about, and the reality. The reality is today, um, I think ransomware attacks. I think that uh, 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 loss of or exfiltration of data is something we could be scared of, right? So it's not a good time to stop. I think it's a good time to uh, to accelerate the investment any South African company are doing on the cybersecurity space. And finally, number three is regarding SecOps, right? SecOps is about, um, oh, let's say, about the processes, about the technology, about the tool companies, enterprising, are using to, um, to, to detect and to remediate 
threats. I think that what's happening today in, in South Africa is that there is some time a lack of maturing, right? In terms of how proactive you could be versus, uh, versus reactivity in terms of uh, uh, what we call alert fatigue, right? Too many noise, too many, um, and let's say, and no, not important incidents uh, means that if you don't manage that kind of fatigue, you force an ECOPS team to focus or to work on every piece of incident, anomaly events. So I think there is a chance, there is an opportunity today to merge workflows, to merge tools, to merge a technology with the solely objective uh, to be more efficient um, uh, uh, from a SecOps perspective. Too many, too many environments, too many security tools, right? And I think that's the lack today because more you get, many people think better they will do. And that's absolutely not the case. So I think that's thinking open platform, thinking integration, thinking comprehensive set of tools will definitely have to improve uh, the current uh, SecOps uh, strategy for a lot of different companies in South Africa. Again, that's not typical to South Africa, right? Uh, we see a lot of enterprise, even uh, in Europe, even in U United States, uh, that are facing still the same challenges, right? So I think my point number three, again, is not, is not targeting only South Africa, it's more general statement. Yeah, very, very, very much agree, Laurent. Um, it's you know, the situation in South Africa is is uh, typical of other locations, you know, globally, especially when it comes to cybersecurity. And you can, you know, all, all the incidents you've seen of late, you know, are, are testament to that. That we need to improve our processes, in particular, as it comes to uh, uh, securing our critical systems and and data is really a critical asset these days. And you're being able to secure that and protect it from things like ransomware, which is essentially unlawful destruction and unauthorized access to, to your data. Uh, so definitely, definitely agree that we can improve all over, all over the world. All right. So, um, you know, we're really getting into the content here. We're really getting into the meat of the show. Um, if you've just joined us, please ensure that you um, keep your questions coming through, keep your comments coming through. We will uh, be sure to take up everything uh, that you say um, during the show, you know, time permitting. So the sooner you put your uh, question forward, the sooner you put your comment forward, the better it is for us. Um, then that way we can pretty much assure you that we're going to line up just the right content for you. All right. Now, as an information officer myself, um, and specifically as someone who's very marketing inclined, in fact, I consider myself a marketing technologist. You know, my focus is on uh, using a technology to um, deliver marketing goals and growth goals, you know. So as someone who wears that hat in, um, uh, for my client organizations together with our own organization, um, for me, it is vital that I focus on the whole concept of direct marketing consent when it comes to Papia. However, the reality is that Papia extends to so much more than just direct marketing consent. There's a lot more to it than just this high level aspect. And I know that uh, like me, a lot of you out there are perhaps also uh, focusing primarily on the whole concept of consent when it comes to Papia. 
If that is the case, you know, uh, let us know through the chat box, let us know um, through the Q&A box, whether you agree, whether you disagree, you know, let me know where you stand on that point. Um, but but while while I was investigating this with our expert guests, I, I was probing very cleverly to ensure that they tell me what their perspective is. Let's see what they have to say. This is a this is a great question um, because I, I think that well, first off, there are almost there's eight I think uh, standards or eight uh, sections you know within Poppy itself with data subject participation or the consent part being just one of them, right? There's, there's seven, seven others about, you know, all around like things like processing limitations, you know, minimizing, you know, what type of data you have, um, you know, the quality of information, creating accountability requirements. And, and really, I, I think what's uh, the two biggest important things out of this that really paint the big picture is a, the, the culture, you know, improving overall cybersecurity. So the security safeguards, the, the regulation, if we call it that, the act, doesn't say you have to put this tool in place or that process in place. It says improve, you know, apply the appropriate technical countermeasures. And what that forces organizations, people, you know, processors, cloud service providers to do is think very broadly about their security architecture, which includes technology, processes, and, and everything associated with securing the data. Think about you know, the attackers, how they're going to get after it. What are the different risk conditions? So it really breeds that risk assessment, risk mitigation uh, culture, which I think is essential to improving overall cybersecurity. A lot of times we only focus on the technical pieces of things, but really that culture of risk management, risk, ass risk assessment, um, and, and security architecture is really uh, what's needed to defend and protect your data. So I think that the improving overall cybersecurity by, by creating that culture of risk management and equally important, you know, a culture of, of accountability amongst the, the holders of data, the processors of data, the, the owners of data, you know, everyone has a stake in protecting your data. It's my personal data. I'm responsible for what I do with it. I want to know who's processing it. I want to know what they're doing with it. I want to know how they're protecting it. And the same thing for organizational data, you know, to, to take a, a broader perspective here, you know, what are we doing with it? Where is it? How do we protect it? So, you know, and, and what, are the, what, what happens if we don't protect it appropriately? So I, the, the regulatory power of the government to create the accountability and force change is very, very powerful. And we've seen that with, in other parts of the world, in uh, GDPR, best, best example, using very similar language uh, California Privacy Act, also very similar language in, in driving accountability, driving risk management, uh, and, and you know, overall improving security for very critical assets, in this case, data. But you can apply that to other aspects of, uh, of your personal life as also to, to businesses. So to me, I think that's the big picture that we're after here. Maybe one comment um, regarding the unique opportunity in South Africa to to benefit the experience uh, your company had to face or uh, a couple of years back, right? I think it was in 2018, uh, the very beginning of the GDPR. As most said, uh, GDPR and Poppy are very similar. There are some difference, minor differences, but I think that four, four years back in Europe was a mess, believe me, was a mess. So many companies totally afraid, totally lost about the processes about the control, 
about the safeguards, about about everything uh, to 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 comply with with GDPR. So I think uh, today South Africa can benefit such experience. Uh, I think the most of the best possible experience comes from bad experience European country used to face to a couple of years back. So um, we we do have today. Um, uh, I think a uh, good piece of information in order to adapt uh, current workflow. We know we, workflow. Sorry, we know uh, are working um, in order to help to assist any any South Africa customers companies to to achieve the the, the this compliance criteria. So, uh, as Mo said, um, there is a lot of uh, lot of different uh, topics. Popular touch on right accountability. You said that Mo. Um, security safeguard, data subject participation, which was um, the initial question. Is it the only thing to consider? Definitively, short answer is no. There is much more. My last point will be what are the requirements from a big picture perspective? Uh, is a technology enough or not? I would say no. I would say that 70, 80% deal with processes deal with governance policies. And the tooling, uh, the cybersecurity solution uh, will support that processes, will support um, with agility, uh, with speediness, or any company uh, can, can achieve that, uh, that requirement. And I think that's something which is important. Consider both the processes and, and, and the technology solution, nothing, could be achieved just with the technology. Nothing could be achieved only with processes. Obviously, uh, you need to consider a mix and a good mix. All right, so quite a lot of comment coming through. Obviously, we're still discussing at the process level, but you can see a lot needs to be done in order to get things working right. Um, if while you're listening to this discussion, you feel, wow, I need to just um, find out a little bit more, um, I feel I want to double click in a particular area, feel free to just let us know while the show is happening. But you know, you're not limited to that. Uh, you're not just limited to asking questions in the here and now. Feel free to just reach out and connect. We will place a link now into the um, uh, chat box and that's your webinar feedback link. You can use that obviously to give us feedback, but also use that as a vehicle to reach out to me um, to find out um, you know, if you have any follow-up questions, if you would like me to follow up directly with you, you know, if you're interested in, a perha in perhaps reading more, getting more information from a credible source, if you would like a little bit of guidance in a particular area and you just don't wanna uh, navigate this through a whole bunch of Google searches, if you would just like a little bit of um, human help, um, you know, um, we, we follow up with every bit of webinar feedback directly. My team and I respond to everyone who reaches out to us so you can expect a phone call if you do need one and we will be sure to line up the most um, um, relevant provider to help you solve that need. So on the subject of um, you know going deeper now on the whole subject of this popular thing 
one of the, the first questions that sprung to my mind when I was interviewing our guests was that, hold on, we're using um, big name, reputable cloud providers, because a big aspect of what was talked about just now was this whole concept of where are we processing our data? Who are the suppliers that we use, uh, where we are exchanging data with them, replacing data on their platforms, and so we are trusting them with the data processing. But surely, if we are using the big names, the reputable names, the Microsofts, etc., Surely our puppy requirement is fulfilled by default. Is it though? Let's find out. That's a great question. Let me take an analogy. When you buy a car, car comes with security belts, comes with airbags. Does it mean that you will be you will be one hundred percent sure to avoid an accident? Answer is not. You keep responsible for uh, for sitting with your security belt but to make sure that your car is in good conditions, right? It's not because you buy a big name that you will be 100% secure. And that absolutely is the same with cloud. Think about, uh, think about people or companies, uh, enterprise onboarding big names such as Microsoft Office 365, right? Uh, as part of the shared responsibility model, that's important to, to mention that model. Uh, model is to tell who is responsible for what the subscriber or is it or relying on um, the, the the provider think about SaaS applications right SaaS application for SaaS application you keep you as a subscriber responsible for the data you keep responsible for um, for ensuring the security policies in order to prevent confidential or properly data to be shared with someone else without any reason. That's a typical example. So it's a bit more complex when it comes to discuss IS or PaaS or uh, infrastructures or platforms, because you get more responsibility, you as a subscriber. Obviously, um, AWS, obviously Google Cloud, GCP Google Cloud, uh, or uh, Microsoft Azure will ensure that the data centers, the servers, the hardwares, um, they operate to, 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 to sell or to provide their cloud services uh, is free of any security vulnerabilities. Uh, that's not the same for all of the resources you as a customer are spinning up in the infrastructure. Let me think about um, virtual machines, right? Uh, in AWS, we call that um, easy to elastic compute. You're responsible for the configuration of the EC machine. You keep responsible for uh, the network policy, the firewall policy. You keep responsible for securing the volume attached to the, the EC. You keep responsible for uh, managing the IAM permissions for the people um, supposed to connect to that uh, uh, virtual environment in the cloud. So for IS and PaaS platform, you absolutely need to refer to the shared responsibility model. And back to you, the initial question, which was, is it okay to trust a big name? Uh, no, assuming that you keep responsible for most of the stacks uh, in infrastructures and you keep responsible for the data every time you're onboarding a SaaS application. All right, so we have a question here from Kyle. 
Kyle says, thank you. My big questions are around auto consent and automatic uh, cookie blocking prior to consent, etc. Um, so very much cookie policy stuff. All right. So Kyle, on that, um, just so you're tracking here, no pun intended. I just thought of it after I said that. Um, you know, we are trying deliberately for, for this show to steer a little bit away from the consent stuff because typically that's where the bulk of the popular worries and stresses are right now. People are pretty much focusing almost entirely on, on consent. And we deliberately wanted to show what's behind consent, like how much more do we need to deal with when it comes to Papia that extends beyond just consent. So I tell you what we're going to do in your case, Kyle, if you wouldn't mind just clicking uh, the link provided in the chat um, and completing a webinar feedback form, I will be sure to follow up with you after this uh, webinar. We'll have someone call you and we will um, definitely get you some help after this show. So um, please be sure to leave a request in the webinar feedback and I personally commit to getting back to you. All right, so um, on that note, um, I do have another some other questions coming through, but I'm gonna tackle them in a second. For now, I did uh, challenge our speakers a little bit, you know, because um, obviously they gave very good information about what we need to do with our um, uh, data processes, you know, the either the data processes or the data operators, you can use either term, meaning the people who are operating or processing data on our behalf. Like, what is it that we need to do with them? I wanted to, um, you know, uh, challenge uh, our speakers a little bit and you know I shared a very valid real frustration a day-to-day -day frustration that we face and that is that you know we've now got to take responsibility for what our cloud providers are doing and how they are doing it we are now having to extend our sphere of influence all the way into their operational centers and we have to look at what their processes are and it's really a lot to manage and I mean if you're a small to medium business it can be quite burdensome with a small workforce to be extending ones reach so far deep into the supply network. So I challenged um, our speakers with that question and let's hear what they had to say. Yes, and it, it, I know it's uh, sometimes scary, right? Um, I know it's a lot of information, it's a lot of resources, um, it's a lot of assets to manage. Given the fact that you're already managing uh, on-prem assets, you're already managing on-prem uh, resources. So I think that in order to avoid a kind of storm, uh, or let's call that a vortex of different policies, different criteria, because, um, because the, the modern IT architecture is exploding, right? Um, I think that we need to drive consistency. We need not only to consider uh, a single cloud application or single cloud infrastructure. If you may have some people trying to focus first on AWS only. But think about what will be the situation, what will be the statement in the next 12 months? And I bet, I really bet that the same customer will get back to us saying, I today have much more than only one provider for uh, infrastructures in the cloud. So I think that we need to build security policies. We need to build compliance policies in order to be applicable to any kind of assets any company are running today. What does it mean? It means that multi-cloud, hybrid cloud security is something which is a key word, right? Uh, consistency in the policy, consistency in how we can um, detect 
popular related or more generally any confidential uh, information wherever the data is, on the laptop, on uh, on-prem data centers, in S3 buckets in AWS or in uh, blob storage, um, in uh, Microsoft Azure or in any other cloud application, SaaS application company are massively uh, used today. So I think yeah, consistency is probably um, the best, um, uh, or let's say the, 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 the most suitable world um, which could solve uh, what you're describing, a data storm. I agree, Laura, really, uh, really strong commentary. I, I think about that responsibility, you know, and, and you as an owner of data, as, a, as an owner of assets, you know, you, you can never really give away your responsibility, right? You, you have to know where that, where that is and where it's going and who's, who has a handle on it because it's it, ultimately it's, you know, the organization or the person is the owner of that data. And, it, you know, it, it, it brings in an interesting piece. Today, we're very much interdependent on external providers, processors, or suppliers of things, whether it's IT supply chain or the OT supply chain, or in this case, cloud service providers as a, as a part of the, the data, the data supply chain, let's say, the data security, data processor supply chain. And you've seen a lot of threats recently about that. Uh, maybe the, we can come to that in, in, in a second there. Uh, maybe it might bleed into that next question. All right, so we're getting some good um, action here, uh, getting some good questions coming through, some nice comments. So let's tackle some of those. And I and I ask all of you here, um, to the best degree possible, submit your thoughts and comments live uh, if you'd like them to be addressed during the course of the show. If you'd prefer to get some follow-up afterwards, feel free to um, complete a, a webinar feedback um, form. It's a very quick form. It's just a couple of fields and it'll take you just a few seconds to complete it. Uh, and that way you can use that as a, a platform to reach out for some um, after-show follow-up. Um, Kyle says here, it is important to verify that your Privacy officer registration has been processed government side, South African government. Um, Kyle, I'm assuming you mean the registration of the information officer. Um, if you do succeed at uh, registering the information officer, you know, at the uh, at the website, you will receive um, a certificate of confirmation, which can then be published at your own website. So it is pretty instantaneous to get that verification if you succeed at doing it online. I'm um, not entirely sure of the process when you submit for the application manually. So if you do it outside of the um, format of the online platform, I can't say what's going to happen there. I do know that there have been some challenges with the online platform. A number of people have said that there have been some bugs and, you know, it's um, it's been a little bit um, laborious trying to make it work. And yes, there's been quite a lot of demand on that uh, server. So um, my suggestion there is just to keep trying until you get that certificate issued to you. All right, we have um, Brendan here saying, hello, if a company has my data and is accordingly subject to Papia, am I able to ask them for a copy of that Papia policy within their organization? And are they obliged to share it with me? Or should they by default issue me with some form of disclaimer and view of the policy or link to it at the outset of their policy deployment? Very, very good question there, um, Brendan. And absolutely, you are entitled under Papia to um, understand how your data is being processed and what the process is behind the processing of your data. And that um, 
you know, uh, sits in the format of a manual, a Pia manual, officially a Pia manual, but now a lot of people are referring to it as the Pia and Papia manual. Um, that has to be publicly disclosed. So you'll find a lot of people are publishing that at their websites. And actually, if you would like a copy of that document, you can request it from the South African Human Rights Commission. It is actually your right to do so. And it is then incumbent upon the, uh, the owner of the data, meaning the person that you shared your data with, they then have to make sure that their manuals are submitted to the um, uh, Human Rights Council uh, for uh, public availability. You will, however, have to pay for the printing of the manual and then you can receive a hard copy. Otherwise, I'm sure a soft copy will suffice at the website itself and absolutely go ahead and request that from any person that you've shared your data with. All right. So on that note, let's head back to our expert guests and hear what they have to say um, in response to me probing them about the real risks behind this whole popular pressure. Yes, uh, it's it, this, and this is where you know business leaders, you know, they really want to understand, you know, what is, uh, you know, what is at stake here. And honestly, if you go back to the last piece, um, you know, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of risks that we face with this interdependent supply chain that we have, whether it's cloud or, or other areas. So, you know, that that's a pain point. Right. That's you know, when you depend on others and, you, and, the, and their security is, is uh, not up to speed or not appropriate, you presents risk you know, for your business. So that's a tough one. Right. The external responsibility for the supply chain. That's a that's a real risk. And we've seen it manifest in the last six months, uh, easily in the last six months with things like Sunburst or Darkside uh, and similar types of supply chain breaches where those you know, there's external providers were the weak points, let's say, or those external systems were the weak point that led to data being lost, destroyed, accessed, um, exfiltrated, as they say. So all of those things are real risks, uh, meaning, you know, there's, there's real attackers on the backside. And you've seen that from particularly with ransomware, you've seen that there's an attacker on the other side of the line that wants money. And that, that really brings it home. It really makes the risk you know, feel real, right? And that's and that's even more so, I think, than than the fines, right? The the government accountability uh, penalties, let's say, or the penalties for not um, not complying. There's a there's a real, you know, when you have to shell out the money to to the government or to a regulator for you know for not being compliant, that's a real risk, you know, to your business. So both the attacker, the money that you have, and then finally, I think the the reputation damage, right? Or perhaps even the impact to your own agility in adopting new things. Those are real risks. And, and today, the opinion of people uh, can, can you, you understand the opinion, news travels really fast. There's a 24 by seven cycle. When something doesn't work, it's known, right? When something happens, it's known very, 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 very quickly. So the ability to control reputational damage and get in front of that, mitigate that risk is very, very difficult. And you know, managing that, we'll say the PR risk of having a data breach or the reputational damage that might follow, that costs both real time and real money, and that's and that's also in a real has a real impact on your business. So, I think when you when you come down to it, this is not you know just a uh, you know in the ether type requirements. These are real risks monetarily, reputation uh, to you know, to your actual business livelihood, or in, in the case of personal data, in particular. You know, people being resilient is, is tough 
tougher than businesses. So when you, when you lose data or you lose access to things or your data is out there, um, that can come back to hurt that person in a, in a very tangible way in the end, either through extortion, you know, personal extortion, or you know, other types of things that could happen based on the loss of that data. Uh, and, and you could go on and on with that, with that part there. All right, so a lot of good content coming through here. Let's see, we have a question uh, from Norin. Hi, Kirushan. In, event, in the event where surveillance are, um, surveillance are available, like in some pharmacies where they have installed cameras, when they identified someone um, is committing fraud and they report it to the authorities, should they inform or get permission of the suspect before they can share the footage? What is the impact on Papia in these types of cases? So firstly, uh, Naren, great question, and I'm really glad that you're asking this. Um, I myself had an incident recently where I walked into a store and I noticed that they were requesting that people um, lower their masks in order for the camera to get a good shot of their face as they're walking in. And then just, um, you know, being someone who's very interested in the subject, I asked them, you know, are they in fact making it known that this level of uh, personal information, if you will, is in fact being captured? In such an instance, I would suggest, Naren, that you get uh, more specialized or tailored advice because this is, to me, quite a specialist situation and it would require maybe the backing of someone who knows a little bit more about the subject. Um, definitely a very valid question. In my gut feel is that, you know, um, the person would have to treat that as they would any personal information or personally identifiable information at this point, which would uh, require that they treat it with the level of care that is um, you know, expected of them within Poppia. So they would have to, in fact, disclose the processes, the flows, how the information is being treated, etc. However, like I said, that is a little bit more of a specialist question. And I definitely suggest that you let us know um, what help you need in, uh, you know, by completing a webinar feedback form. And for anyone on the show, if you have a specific question um, that is you know, quite specialized, just pop it into the webinar feedback form. And let us follow up with you. We work with a number of very strong authorities and you know experts in the subject of Papia. Um, we partner with them, we work closely, we work hand in hand with them so we can bring to bear relevant advice, suggestions and follow up with you in a very um, tailored way. You know, it's so much better than just going and uh, purely getting your information off of Google. Um, sometimes we do need that little bit of extra professional help to solve our particular situation. So on that note, uh, we did take a look um, a few seconds ago. Um, you know, we looked at the risks, the real risks of this popular thing. But, I, you know, I challenged the speakers even further. I wanted to know, you know, is it that, um, you know, are these risks just scare tactics? Are there just a whole bunch of providers out there who are using these risks just to peddle their wear? Or, or, or are these risks real? Let's see what they had to say. Yes, I think that all companies are concerned, right? First, by regulation, whatever the size of the company is. Uh, I think also that any company today is a technology company. Think about the COVID-19 situation. Think about how the technology help, um, help um, companies to mitigate the risk uh, closing the enterprise, right? Um, I think that the technology is supporting the business. And... Today, any technology will be facing a lot of challenge from a cybersecurity perspective. 
The real question is how many of the technology we know does not using the technology? How many companies are not using technology at all? No one, right? None. So any company is concerned. Um, you can get uh, a few enterprises with a few of seats, few employees, uh, up to, let's say, big accounts, right? As we used to support also uh, banking, financial uh, industries, government agencies, etc. So there is no, we, we, we cannot rely um, the risk, the impact on uh, cyber security attacks or uh, vulnerabilities based on uh, who you are in terms of company. Any any of company are are concerned today. I think uh, you're right. Every company is there. Uh, of course, uh, companies that are you know, quickly adopting cloud services and and really you know having a multi cloud approach. You need to be you need to take some particular. Um, let's say inspection of the other regulation and you know how they're doing. So the more complex, I guess, your cloud environment is for one thing, or maybe even your supply chain for that matter uh, in, in this case, they probably have a harder time right, with doing that. But at the same time, you know, those uh, smaller companies that might not have the people or the uh, technology in place or even the processes ready, uh, you know, small companies can process a lot of data as well, so uh, I think you can. I think I agree that any company is at at risk, but um, some of those larger companies with a multi-cloud complex environment, uh, you need to be you need to start early in in how you know, how they start to comply and what they're going to do. All right, folks. So as you can see, we strive here to bring really good content to you from uh, from the mouths of experts from around the world. We are doing this um, here on African soil. We're a homegrown show. We're doing our best to get you good content at no charge. Um, we, we form partnerships with uh, best of breed providers from all around the world to ensure that our content is, you know, superior. Long story short. Uh, so it's very important that you support us um, in, order, in, in our quest in order to keep the show going and in order to grow it and expand it and make it even stronger. Uh, please go ahead and support us by uh, subscribing to our YouTube channel. You will find a link to the YouTube, cha YouTube channel in our um, uh, chat box. It's been put up there. So please uh, go ahead and click that and then um, we will just watch the numbers tally up. Um, in terms of um, the discussion with our expert guests, we wrapped up with one very important question. And this was the question of who. At the end of the day, accountability rests on the shoulders of a few. And we are the ones that have to carry the can and uh, take full accountability and ensure that the job is done. And, you know, it, it's, no, it's no different in the world of Papia when it comes to the implementation. There are a few people who need to care more than others because, you know, we bear the brunt and we shoulder the burden of making sure that all of our, of all, all the most important um, checkboxes are in fact ticked. Um, we took a little bit of a deep dive into this point. Um, we looked um, very in-depth at the who question, and I think you're going to get a lot from this. That, that's a great question. A couple of, uh, before the GDPR, uh, we, we, we and, and by the way, uh, today with Popia, we, we saw in the past very few data protection officers. So, um, in the, in the last couple of years, we see new roles uh, emerging in companies such as data protection officer. However, who is responsible 
for protecting the data, everyone, from, uh, from the data protection officer, CISO, compliance officer. But I would say the most important uh, people or individual in a company is a user to me, right? I think that data protection as is not is not technology. I think that data data protection um, is is a pillar. Is a pillar you need to consider in how your company is managing the data, or your company is processing, storing uh, storing data. And I think that even the the technology can help you to mitigate some risk. Think about again uh, sharing activities. Uh, Think about um, data, critical data stored in our open public S3 bucket in AWS. The technology will support uh, that vulnerabilities or threat in terms from a remediation perspective. But I think that education, I think that investing in making sure uh, people, employees understand what the best practices are is something which is important. And the technology can assist also, can support um, this uh, very important piece, which is education, right? Let me, let me give you an example, very practical, very funny example, actually. Um, we, 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 every day we are in a rush, right? Every day you, me, more, the team, Everyone is dealing with data. We're dealing with data every every day, every time. Uh, sometimes you're in a rush, right? Uh, you don't want to take time to protect the information. And despite you get the tool saying for you or enforcing for you to uh, apply a good or the correct classification to the data before being allowed to save the data, what will you do? You will click on the first option, not confidential, public, right? So I think the technology is also there to complement what people are doing with the data, even they understand what they should do. In terms of execution, people understand, but most of the time they don't follow the rule. So the technology is there to check what is the classification which has been applied to the data by the user and to check if that classification meets the content of the data, right? Um, Another, another example is I'm a technology guy. I'm from cybersecurity, right? Um, if, you, if you're giving to me a paper containing um, financial information or, I don't know, uh, content related to fusion acquisition plan, probably I won't, I won't give you so much uh, importance despite the content is super important for the, for the company. So the classification and about, and how people giving the importance to the data must rely to their own business. And I think that it's a good start, right? To uh, think about what the process is to protect the data. What are the different classification criteria? and to educate the people to apply the right classification to the document. Next, again, as I said before, uh, in, on board um, the tool, the solutions, the cybersecurity protection in order to, to fill the gap between what is the current protection for given data versus what it should be, right? 
Again, we're supporting the business uh, of manipulating, uh, creating, storing the data, but obviously we see more and more threats related to the data. And most of them comes from unmanaged uh, or let's say inappropriate uh, security policies applied to the data. So controlling, enforcing, detecting, and correcting is something which is absolutely critical. I think, um, you know, Laurent, you covered a, a lot of pieces there. And I think with, in terms of your other, one or one or two other pillars, let's say, um, in terms of responsibility, and you know, you know who, who's really concerned about this? Um, I, I think also the, the say the, the architects, right? the security architects in, in organizations, cloud architects, developers, um, all of them have an impact or have a, have a role in, uh, in helping organizations become compliant, you know, in you're understanding what existing controls can do, uh, understanding you know, what they can do if you're a developer to minimize you know, the use of, of private data in applications and the storage. So I think even when you get down into the design of different uh, uh, solutions you know, to, to the problem or how we might put technology to work here uh, and also building up new processes, uh, definitely cloud security architects, I think, and, and developers have a, have a, you need to be concerned about this from what are they going to do to, you know, how, how are they going to help the organization you know, become compliant? And, and in the end, you know, be more secure, which is really the end goal, respect data and be more secure or respect individuals, I should say, and, uh, and individual data and be more and be more secure in the end. All right, folks, I really hope you enjoyed that. We had quite a lot of uh, content shared today. And um, if you're still left wanting, which is good, it's expected. If you're left with a few questions, if you have thoughts about um, how you might proceed, what, are, what your options are, if you'd like a little bit of extra help, you know, we, we're not limited to a specific type of help. You know, we can recommend um, any number of options, solutions, uh, possible partner interactions uh, that you can follow, us, uh, follow up with us on. So my, I urge you to complete the webinar feedback form. Not only is it going to be important for some follow-up interaction, but, but most importantly, it tells us how you feel about the show and it guides us in terms of how we continue to build and grow the show locally. And again, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll find the link in the chat box. Very important for you to show us your support so we can keep growing our show and make it a, you know, a local success. Uh, on that note, thank you so much for taking the time to participate and um, experience the show with us. Um, we look forward to your ongoing feedback, commitment, and engagement into the future. And for that, on that note, um, thank you again, and we will see you next time.